I'm Meredith. And I'm Robin. And this is My TV Family. Today we're talking about this year's Austin Film Festival. Welcome back. As Meredith mentioned, today we are focusing on the Austin Film Festival. We got to see many exciting films. Uh, Meredith, would you say this year was a little different? Unprecedented even. (laughs) I would. Like most things, the Austin Film Festival um, went virtual and I actually really enjoyed it this year. I was worried about how they would make it happen but um they figured it out and we were able to watch a lot more films than i think we normally would have you know i love to watch a film on my couch with my snacks i mean who doesn't so um almost as much as hobnobbing yeah (laughs) i um i thought they did a wonderful job we were able to see lots of great um, films and documentaries some of the films we saw included farewell amour film fest which was incredibly meta <laughs> and featured um our guy ruby from on my block Ooh. so for all the on my block stands out there check that out uh, but yeah i can imagine watching a film fest movie about a film fest at a film fest <laughs> it's like it's like uh, the matrix yeah. wrapped up in uh, mobius strip <laughs> Anyway, um, we also watched uh, the get together, which took place here in Austin. So that's always kind of cool to see, like the Austin backdroppy things, and um, had a chance to watch Reboot Camp, um, which actually won the Comedy Vanguard Feature Award for the fest. What what? Um, and I will say, um, as always, the documentaries continue to be my fave. I don't know about you. Um, and I was thinking that the theme this year was badass women who crush things, including yeah. other people. You want to <laughs> tell the good people about some of the docs we got to see? Uh, yeah. So we were able to chat with some of the people who made some of our favorite documentaries in the festival. Um, uh, we spoke to the filmmakers, um, and the star of Open Field. We spoke to the filmmakers of Reinventing the Wheel. And we were also able to talk to the filmmaker of Queens of Pain. Um, So you will hear our interviews now um, in that order. All right. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I will let our guests introduce themselves, but we just want to say we absolutely loved your movie, Open Field. Um, Meredith and I both like hitting people, and I will say without getting into too much detail, uh, we were both at the back row during class picture time in elementary school, Uh, so we love seeing um, some women out there bashing skulls, and we're going to talk about it. Um, we really wish that the fest were happening in person this year, but we're um, excited that you guys could join us via Zoom. So without further ado, I'm going to turn it over um, to Meredith, and if you could help the guests introduce themselves, that'd be amazing. Yeah, Kathy, my first question is for you. I don't know if you first want to just introduce yourself, um, and I know you're the director, if you want to just tell a little bit about that. Um, And then I would love to know about your expectations going into this film, how you met Sammy, um, if she was always going to be kind of the the focal point um, for this or if you met her along the way. Sure, so I'm Kathy Curris and I'm the director and producer of Open Field. Um, And I knew Sammy before we started this project. So we had um, been uh, partners in terms of co-founding a music company together. And so I knew her more from the music side. And then I found out that she played 
football and I went to one of the games and I was just amazed at what I was seeing on the field. And so along the way, it just became clear, like, gosh, this is a story that needs to be told. It's kind of, you know, somewhat typical to hear that from a documentary standpoint, but it's just a story that needed to be told. And it was clear to me, I mean, one, she's one of the most decorated um, female athletes in tackle football, you know, and everything that she's done both in the US and internationally in terms of all her awards. Um, and I also knew, you know, she's a great performer and I've also seen her in interviews um, with the media and such. So to me, she was a great story because we, we it, once we decided to do this documentary, we didn't want it to make it just an expose. Like we really wanted to have kind of hero's journey story. And she was just like the best person to make that happen with. <laughs> I love that so much. And we are huge fans of um, documentaries generally, but from the Austin Film Fest, they always have fantastic documentary offerings. And you hear that time and time again, this was a story that had to be told. And also Sammy, I think you said during the film, um, I didn't know there were other people out there like me. Um, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't find, I couldn't find the other people like me. And the same thing, you know, we hear that over and over in documentary filmmaking is, you know, kind of showing people, yes, there are other people like that out there like me. So that's really, that's really interesting to hear that that's how that um, came to be. Um, Sammy, um, I have a question for you, but tell the good people out in listener land a little bit about yourself, would you? Yeah, so my name's Sammy Gersafi. I'm in this thing, this, this movie called Open Field. Um, Kathy and I have known each other for, uh, Kathy the director, and I have known each other for a little over a decade, I think, or we're, we're, we're encroaching on a decade. And uh, we uh, started a music company together uh, around that same time of our meeting. Uh, we, we quickly fell in, in, in love uh, with the same things and, and we're in pursuit of the same things. And uh, she's just been an amazing uh, business partner and uh, just incredible human being that I was so happy to have uh, crossed paths with and continue to go with. Um, That's amazing. She twisted yeah. your arm and said, let's make a movie. No twisting was, was necessary. <laughs> She's incredible. She's, uh, I'm, I mean, anybody who's fortunate enough to know her is, uh, they, they, they know, they're, they're grateful. So that's, that's that. Um, we started working on this about six years ago. I'm a musician and um, I have a background in, in acting and performance in general. I like to say I'm just an entertainer kind of around, around the whole thing. Um, and uh, played football for about 15 years. So that's my well, background. Well-rounded. I was going to say when it came out that you quit or quit for a, a little bit football in high school to do music and theater, that was a bit of a turn for me. And I loved it. <laughs> You're like, whoa, here we are. <laughs> um, defying expectations. Um, but I think it came out that you are um, like, you can hold the stage um, in this documentary, like um, through, through your answers and things like that. Thank you. Yeah, um, quadruple threat. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would yeah, be I loved, uh, left field if I was like, uh, and then I went into uh, medical work. <laughs> like, no, don't touch me with any instruments, please. Accounting was my true calling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I loved uh, the scrapbook moments with your family where uh, your mom was like, and then she won the UIL competition for, <laughs> I mean, such a proud mama moment. I loved it so much. That was fantastic. But She's a sweetie. Um, so I do want to ask you about obstacles. I thought that there were um, some really interesting 
kind of everything from speed bumps to you know gigantic walls put up in front of you and in front in front of you know all these amazing women who just wanted to get on the field and play ball and can you talk a little bit about um you know some of the big hurdles like the money I mean I just it keeps coming back to pay to play right true love of the game and all the way down to kind of the ticky tacky um nonsense of like oh sorry you can't play because there's not somewhere for you to change into your sports bra I mean the ridiculousness of that so seeing you through high school and beyond into professional play can you talk about what message you would like for people to take away as far as what it takes to get past those obstacles that are put in front of you yeah well I think that the obstacles that are that were put in front of me as a kid, um, they really just were, they were, um, I didn't feel like they were obstacles necessarily. I just, I, I just wanted to make sure that I could do it. I just wanted to play. I didn't care what was, what was in the way. And if somebody had prevented me, like that's, that's the, the grace that the coach, the coaches showed me is that, you know, in my mind, they, they built this foundation for me as a person that I still carry with me, which is, if you work hard enough, you can. And there were some of those ticky tack things that were, you know, out of my control for sure. And life throws you those things too. And I, I guess um, the, the takeaway for me is just be persistent and work hard and nobody can take that away from you because you, you would, would have given it your best effort. And, you know, that's still something that I hold in my heart to this day. I mean, the, the lessons that I learned at a, as a, child um and as an adolescent of you know well they're not going to let me and 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 kind of focusing on that is not nearly as helpful as you know saying regardless of that I'm going to continue on this path and and they'll have to let me eventually they'll have to let me um or they'll have to welcome me or they'll have to give me an opportunity and I'm lucky enough that that I um that I played for coaches and teammates that you know, allowed that to happen, that they didn't let their bias and their other things um, kind of shut down a wall completely for them. They, they, they let me inch in there um, and then effort really just took me through to the rest of it. So I like to keep that in mind now, you know, as, I, in, as I've been in pursuit of, of my career with music and sometimes it feels like things are in other people's hands, but um, eventually people can't deny you. So you just gotta keep going. Yeah, they maybe they let you in a little bit, but you put your foot in the door, girl. Yeah, eventually you got it. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that persistence. Um, hey, Kathy, I was wondering about if you've ever filmed like sporting documentaries before or sports documentaries before, and if there were any challenges that came across in filming like the actual action on the field. Um, if that was, um, if you could explain a little bit about how that was for you. Sure. So I hadn't filmed uh, sports documentaries before. Primarily, my background has been in storytelling, um, you know, various videos, more kind of humanitarian types of stories, um, as well as doing uh, some of the work on music videos. Um, so doing a sports documentary, that actually was one of the first sort of questions I even had to ask myself. Um, originally, I was planning on producing the film and working to find a director. But we had just a number of either sort of start stops with people or they just kind of didn't see the vision. You know, we, we were trying to tell a, a sports story, especially a female sports story in a way that we really wanted to come, number one, from a place of strength, 
we didn't want to make it sort of a male female sort of against each other thing we want to show how like everyone's coming together to advance the sport and so there were a number you know we just couldn't really find someone that we thought this was going to work out with so i was like you know what we, i'll do it myself we're gonna we're gonna figure it out so when it came to the shooting of sports um especially for 2017 in the world championships i found an amazing cinematographer named avi zarum and he had a background um, in the leagues, like the IFL leagues with the ladies, they call them the lingerie leagues, but he was like a, a film supervisor for that. So I knew he knew how to just shoot football. I knew he knew how to shoot sports and he had been around women um, football players as well. So very fortunate to bring him on board the project. Um, and he just did what I think is an absolutely wonderful job at it. And then we were also fortunate for, um, for several years of footage that we got from our associate producer, Rich Daniel, who had been following. Um, he's currently the owner of the DC Divas um, women's tackle football team, but he'd been for years filming all these teams, two world championships, not knowing if anything would ever come from his footage. And so when I called him up, you know, I just said, look, I know you've been filming. filming. I, I hope I don't um, sort of piss you off with this question, but I'm wondering if you would be willing to give us some of your footage, you know, wasn't sure where that would go. And he got real quiet at first. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, I just, you know, just really um, sort of went the wrong route here with him. But he said, you know what? He got really quiet. I said, I've just been waiting for this call. I've, I've been filming all this time, but I didn't know what to do with it. Like I knew I was not going to put it into a big project. So it, those kinds of things that opened up and happened um, are, are things I couldn't have even planned, you know, when you're sitting down and writing out a plan, but it sort of happened along the way, these doors had opened. So you know, I, I knew what I wanted to show with the football. I wanted to show it like up close. I wanted to see the player's eyes. You know, I wanted to, to feel like you were watching with, with the budget that we had as close as possible to watching like just the hard, the punching and the hitting and all of that. So I knew what I wanted it to look like and then finding people that had either been capturing it or in Avi's case could come out and shoot it in 2017 um, was really uh, the approach that I took. But it was something I had to think a lot about because it, it was the first time that I had shot um, a sports, you know, sports in, in, in any way. I think I really, um, I thought it was filmed really nice. And I just like got goosebumps as you talked about the story about like him saying, I've been waiting for someone to hear or to need this. And I don't know, it feels like this just needed to happen and that all came together, so. Thanks for sharing that. You're welcome. I love that. Yeah, and as I said, I think you captured that sound. Like there's nothing like that sound of pads hitting pads at full speed. That is the best. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I have to tell you, I love that super cut of all of the women, women saying, I like to hit people. Yeah, I was kind of one of those people who like to hit people. You know what I love? hitting people uh, <laughs> one of my favorite scenes in the, the whole film was kind of just that uh, like montage of women saying that is the best feeling in the world to lay somebody out across this line of scrimmage anyway moving on um, <laughs> um, so we did want to talk a little bit about the progression that you show with um, especially within the um, NFL coaching staff and um, there's a scene with Katie Sowers where she talks about kind of the equity issues and when you make a decision to speak up versus when you make a decision to let your work speak for itself. Um, and Sammy, we're just wondering if you can talk a little bit about how that works for you. Like, when do you say, hey, um, I couldn't help but notice all the pronouns on this contract are male, that's weird. Um, versus like, when do you say, I'm just gonna go out there and smash skulls and let that speak for itself? 
Yeah. So I think, I think what Katie said in that line, um, that was very much my experience as a kid. And when we were in um, Santa Clara filming all of that, I remember saying to Kathy, like, you know, God, there's so many things about her story and so many things she's saying that I felt when I was a kid. And there was a lot of parallels from with her journey that she was in at that very moment. Cause that was when we filmed it, it was her first year with the 49ers. Um, and so many, you know, just, there was a lot of parallels and that ended up being, um, kind of the, one of the, one of the North stars of the film that I think Kathy did a really great job of, um, which is, you know, show, not tell. And, and, you know, talking about, you know, action leading it and it being, being led with action and not, and not, uh, you know, I, I deserve, or I, I should have, or anything like that, but letting the action lead it so that people change their minds throughout that. For me, I never, the only time I ever spoke up was in that scene that you, you hear from me where I'm like, what can I do to be a better player for you? That's the most talking I ever did because I thought it was important at that time. And, you know, I still do. I think it's consistent that if you really want to change somebody's mind, it, it can't feel like an attack on them. And, um, and so just letting them make up their own mind throughout it. And I think that's, that's, there are times where you have to put your foot down. That was mine. It wasn't, you know, I was 14. So it was, it was a little less than putting my foot down, but like tapping, <laughs> um, excuse me. <laughs> uh, and, and letting them come to the conclusion themselves that, that, uh, maybe that was, there were some inequities there, but, but ultimately, um, I think there's a lot of power in, in letting people make the discovery for themselves and, um, and showcasing what you're capable of so that they then understand that there, there is an inequity, that it's not all of these other things that they've been told their entire life, uh, you know, that they, that they be believed blindly without experiencing it. Yeah, I think the other important piece to that, that to build on what Sammy's saying is that when you're a first at something and when somebody is seeing someone that's a first and they have like no point of reference, everyone's trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And so there was a little bit of wanting to show a bit of grace, Me, you know, so when, when Sammy was young with her coaches, they were trying to figure it out from the dressing to the like, how are we gonna you know, deal with all this? And there were so many stories that aren't in the film, as you can imagine. I mean, we have an awesome editor, John Alexander, who, you know, together we really went through to pick sort of those poignant moments. But it's this piece around like anytime something is the first, everyone's got to kind of figure out how to handle it, both the person who's trying to be the first and the people that are trying to welcome in the first. And when I think about, you know, the 49ers as an organization, like they've really started this entire diversity scholarship. Um, a number of years ago, and they have just been very forward um, and, and really working toward having a very equitable and being very equitable. And I think the thing is, out of all the things that Katie could say, the pronouns on the contract, it's like in her mind, it was like, okay, what do I say something? But it's also in some ways kind of small compared to everything she could be facing there. Mm -hmm. And although there certainly are challenges, for the most part, like what people care about is, do you know the game of football? You know, if you're a football coach, you're a football coach. You don't care if you're a man or a woman, you're a football coach. And I think that's where Sammy's coaches got to as well. But it, sometimes it takes 
a little time. So it's like, how much of the bumps are you willing to take to kind of keep going and understand that everyone's experiencing this for the first time at the same time? Absolutely. I really like that. And um, speaking of the first, I love when you said, I don't know if I'm first, I'm not going to claim being first. I'm not Columbus. That line <laughs> yeah. just like was amazing. <laughs> um, but as you're talking about being the first, like there, there were not a lot of other women out there or growing up that you could look to um, as examples to follow. Were there other women athletes that you were looking at? Um, may, may not have been football or was that even, was that even on your mind? It really wasn't. I, I mean, most of my heroes, my, my hero as a kid was Joe Montana and Steve Young, you know, I, and, and cause that's what I, um, that's, I loved football. And, and at the time, you know, the internet was just beginning when I started playing. I mean, I, we didn't have it yet in my home. So I didn't, um, I had no idea about anything. I just had to look at what was in my face, which was, you know, Sunday night football or, or, you know, football on Sunday. And so, you know, those were, that was my, um, my influence there. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't really have any female um, idols in the athletic world at that time. I mean, musically, I love Janis Joplin. I, I thought she, she kicked ass and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, in my music side, I had those kind of wonderful um, female influences, but there wasn't a lot athletically that I could look to. Uh, which was unfortunate, but I thought that was something that I also thought of a lot when I was a kid. Like, why does it matter what gender um, my idols are? It, it doesn't, I can do the same thing. Watch me, yeah. you know, like I'll, I'll figure it out. If I can, if I can get the same coaching, I can, I can get there too. We all, there are bodies, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. No, I love that. I think that's great. Yeah. Don't challenge me to make it through hell week. I will do <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uncle Chris, I'm coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to put you both on the spot. Kathy, we'll start with you. We always ask our guests um, what you are watching, what um, media are you consuming? It can be highbrow, lowbrow, TV, documentaries. Kathy, what are you yeah. watching? Yeah, so I just finished um, the last season of Schitt's Creek. Oh. I, I just love that show and I'm so sad that it's over with, like, it's just so smart and, and intelligent, the writing and, and the acting, just the whole the whole thing. And every time the Moira character comes on, I'm just like wondering like, what is she gonna do or say? Like, it's just <laughs> so surprising in so many ways. Um, so yeah, I just finished that. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't even know what to go to next after that, you know? <laughs> oh, you yeah, poor creature, <laughs> are you okay? <laughs> um, that is a great pick. And Sammy, what are you watching? I, I also watched Shit's Creek recently, but I'm not going to give you that. I'm not, I'm not going to do one of those. And that too. Uh, <laughs> but it, incredible show. Loved it so, so much. Uh, my girlfriend turned me on to it. And, and then I was like, uh, we're not doing anything for the next two hours. Uh, <laughs> and then all the rest of the days. Uh, yeah, we binged that pretty quick. But I, we also watched uh, My Octopus Teacher. And... What is oh, that? Yeah. I watched the preview and I was scared and disturbed so, and so afraid. So were we. <laughs> so were we. We were like, is this going to be a weird, creepy thing? It's Are not. Are they in love? What is no. all, what's going on I with mean, that octopus? There's, there's, none, there's nothing creepy. In, it's not a creepy love. It is a <laughs> wonderful, wonderful it's Natural story. love that a man and <laughs> an octopus share. <laughs> you know, just the natural <laughs> uh, interspecies love that we all have. Um, 
No, it's an incredible film because it's about, it's about understanding and grace. And instead of trying to impart your world onto somebody else's world, uh, learning it and, and discovering, you know, what kind of connection can happen when you come in with a humble demeanor and a, and a, and a uh, curious kind of disposition. And I think it's an, I think it's an incredible film that anybody could learn from that we all could learn from by watching instead of kind of more of leaning on the grit route it's leaning on the grace route we say that a lot I guess we've said that a lot in this interview but that's that is a theme in this and I think maybe that's why it resonates with me but I love that incredible yeah. incredible film you should definitely watch all right that. I'm gonna have to watch it we I'm telling you we watched the preview and I believe my husband's exact words were that's a no for me dog <laughs> <laughs> give it a chance and and at the very least at the very least it's incredibly shot i mean this guy is a filmmaker and what the lengths that he has to to go through to to get the shots that he gets i mean you could even just have it on your you know your screen in the background and just it's beautiful it's beautifully shot all right we're gonna watch it you're giving uh listeners some hot tips and what to watch thanks guys um and before we let you go i want to know kathy if you could tell a little um, our listeners, how to find the film or where to follow um, more about the film. And then Sammy, if you want to just give us any sort of advice on how to support women's football, um, how we could do that. I know it's a little bit hard in, during COVID times, um, but in the future, in the after times, how, how we can do that. Fingers sure. crossed. And where <laughs> we can find you to hear your sweet jam, Sammy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, so really everything is kind of a one-stop shop. If you go to our film website, which is openfieldmovie.com, um, on there we have everything about the film from the trailer and as well as um, we are taking pre-orders for the vinyl edition of the soundtrack, which has her music on it. So, um, so pretty much you can find everything there that's movie and then can connect you to everything Sammy as well. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, and if you're interested in uh, going to games, you can't right now, but uh, hopefully that will be amping up again next year. And there's, there's a few different leagues, but the WFA uh, that's highlighted in our film, wfafootball.com is where you can go and uh, find out which teams are in your city. Um, like Kathy said, a lot of information uh, regarding our film and the people that are highlighted in it can be found at openfieldmovie.com. We have like a whole cast section that, that highlights different people. Um, but there's there's other leagues out there. So really, you know, Google women's tackle football and you will find a lot of information um, and other leagues that are out there. And uh, yeah, get your taste. It's it's uh, it's an awesome sport. It's an awesome thing to watch if you want to watch people playing for the love of the game. Oh, that was again with the goosebumps. I think I might have <laughs> to go back and start playing tackle again. I had to quit. Let's go. Pregnant, but. <laughs> Yes. Well, you're not pregnant anymore. Let's do it. Well, uh, hope springs eternal, Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Thank you so much. It was really nice talking to you. Yes. Nice thank you, Meredith. Thank, thank you for having us. Yeah. Thank you both very much. So we have the pleasure of speaking with Chelsea and Ryan, the team behind the new documentary, Reinventing the Wheel. Uh, Chelsea, Ryan, can you introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about this awesome documentary, Chelsea? <laughs> sure. My name is Chelsea McAvoy and um, Ryan as well. Ryan and I are from Kelowna, British Columbia, Canada. And our film, Reinventing the Wheel, is a 60-minute 
documentary following the life of a new paraplegic. We call him a rookie paraplegic and a gang of unique wheelchair users coming together to show him the ropes for his first year of life. You can, you might be able to top that off. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Ryan's like, what she said. What yeah. she said. <laughs> awesome. Um, like Robin said, we really love this movie. There was just a lot of joy um, in this film, um, which I wasn't really expecting oh, going into it, but there was just a lot of joy. Um, I'd love if you could tell us a little bit how you um, were introduced to this group and if um, Dan was always going to be the, the kind of the lens in which you um, showed this group or if you kind of discovered him once you met the group. Sure. I can take it. Yeah, you go. Yeah. Um, so the group is closely personal to us, mostly Chelsea. James and Chelsea are partners. Okay. And so he's the leader of, he started the nonprofit group in the Okanagan. Um, and Chelsea's been documenting the group for seven or so years and she brought me in a couple years ago uh, and we made a short film called Wheel Love and I directed it and shot it and she started it and with James and the premise to that one was a couple trying an interable couple trying to start a family and all the kind of trials and tribulations that go through that and uh, we, we, it was quite well received. It was a great little film and we kind of followed that one up with a look at the group that James hits and we had already secured the funding and we're planning on making it actually about William was going to be the rookie, but we had, we had been talking and he'd been in a chair for four years and he just rocks it every day. So <laughs> it's hard to find, to see any struggle because he's just, you know, he's so good. He lost his rookie status. Yeah. He lost his rookie status. And yeah. then, and then we heard about uh, this guy named Dan, and we kind of just Chelsea called him out of nowhere, didn't know us, and he was three months after his accident at the point at that point, so maybe a month out of the hospital, and we're just like, hey, we're making a movie, and <laughs> you want to be in it? And he didn't know anything about us, and he just said, sure, why not? And it was awesome, and. That's amazing. He was yeah. game for it. He was game. And he actually, it came out later that he thought we were just like local student filmmakers. Or something. <laughs> local <laughs> prank <laughs> callers. <laughs> he, he didn't think anyone was going to see it. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> you kids in your camcorder. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like these people just following me around. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, can we talk a little bit about the narrative device of the kind of like 50s style <laughs> educational film strip? It reminded me very much of The Simpsons in a really oh. amazing way. Oh, good. Um, yeah, we, um, you know, being in a relationship with someone in a wheelchair, um, you get it all, honestly. Like you get the stares, you get the stereotypes, you get people coming up to you like saying, oh, you're such an angel for dating him. Like he must be such a nice person or James will be pumping gas and someone will be like, oh, so nice to see you out. And you're like, oh. Inspirational. <laughs> you know, you're exactly. such an inspiration. So yeah. Ryan and I thought, would it be hilarious if we like, did this like guide to spinal cord injury but the narrator was like every other able-bodied 
first stereotype just very dated look on it maybe. yeah and um we kind of just went with it and we were writing it and we we're like oh i don't know hopefully <laughs> this goes over well yeah, yeah we thought we might be being too mean to able-bodied people <laughs> no it was great i loved when the characters would like interact with the the narrator right like oh yeah. this guy again like yeah. it was yeah. the tone was yeah like I spot on her, it was great like our inspiration were like dodgeball where he's like if you can dodge a wrench you can dodge a ball kind of thing so, yeah. 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 yeah and we were gonna we kind of we shot it we were mulling it around a lot of, of if we should put it in the film and we shot it and we're like let's just put it in see how it see how it feels and then we're like yeah that's for sure staying in that yeah it actually works really well so yeah it was awesome yeah we loved it um i also really appreciated showing um colleen's storyline and kind of getting her perspective on things can you tell me what you um and maybe as a from a personal experience what did you um want the audience to take away from her storyline yeah i mean for me personally, it was important to show that side. We run a, another group here called We Love where it's spouses and family members. And, and we find when there's new people that are injured, there's a lot of resources out there for the injured person, but the family, friends, spouses are just kind of left behind wondering, you know, what the heck do we do now? And so it was a very, it was very important to touch on her story too, to kind of just show how much it's needed, you know, and how much lack there is and how much struggle there is. It's not just affecting one person, it's affecting your entire circle and they need to be surrounded by a community as well. So, and yeah, I mean, Colleen, she's, she's one of our best friends now. Me and oh, her tell her I said hi. I, I love will. her. I will. We talk every day. I just talked to her today. We spend time at their house. Like, I mean, personally, what I got out of it was, a, a lifelong friend and yeah I'm pretty stoked but and you really enjoy getting to know Colleen as well yeah right? I just every time we talked to her as a filmmaker I was like this is gold <laughs> 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 she was just she was such a nice little surprise to me yeah. and she just brings so much heart to the film and there's just her love for Dan it's just it's so potent and it's just yeah they're, they're high school sweethearts they have two children they're oh the wedding just, come just, on guys you're yeah. killing me oh. Oh. i think the yeah. scene that that jumps out uh, for both robin and i is the car light scene where she's trying to change the car light and like i don't know that still just rips my heart out um <laughs> thinking about it but i don't know it all she's felt a, very authentic she's a star rock. man yeah. yeah, that was a surprise too. We had rocked up, you know, they're two hours away from us. They live two hours um, north. I don't know, is yeah. that north? Um, and we rolled up with our camera gear and she had her, you know, the the roof open, she had her gloves on and, and Ryan and I looked at each other like, let's start rolling the camera, yeah. I guess. And, <laughs> and as, again, as someone who's in an interable relationship, we call them blue jobs and pink jobs and purple jobs and how they combine and and from experience I know how hard it is to take on that role of doing a job that maybe you would have never thought you would do um yeah so it's a tough one so yeah and it played out to be a tough one it's also hard like for Chelsea to just kind of just stand there and 
watch her kind of struggle at it yeah. and not help. I'm we, sure. Just we're just there with a camera in their face and <laughs> pretend <laughs> I'm not here. Yeah. <laughs> Don't touch the wild animals. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that sounds incredibly hard. And I do like again with your with Colleen being like such a superstar, just it, there are some moments where she kind of is almost like Jim from the office, kind of like looking to the camera, like, are you great? Can you guys believe this? This is happening right now, right? Like she just has like great like eye roll moments. And um, I was actually, as we were preparing to talk to you, Meredith and I were talking about, um, there's a moment where I think Dan says, yeah, we talk about everything with the group. And Colleen says, yeah, they talk about everything. (laughs) There's just a touch of horror in her voice, but she is deadpan perfection. So I found Colleen. Yeah, yeah. she's learned a lot. <laughs> We've been to a couple parties now. She looks at me like, what? How did I get here? Life uh, moment. <laughs> we love her. Um, so can we ask you a little bit about kind of the group generally and the purpose that it served? It feels like it has to be a lot of things to a lot of people. Um, at one point, um, one of the members says it's more of a pressure group than a support group, which I love. And then somebody else says the most important thing that this group can do is teach you how to have a good time. So can you talk a little bit about how you were able to capture all of the different aspects of everything the group means to all of the people? Yeah, you want to talk about it? Yeah, I think that um, Chelsea being friends with them really made them super comfortable. And what I noticed when I started working with them a few years ago was that they just had a 100% trust with Chelsea. And they've done some video work before. And um, I even overheard one of them you know, saying to another person, like, don't worry about it. Like Chelsea will never make you look bad. So yeah, so they, there was already a standard, I guess, that set from working with them for so long and they just trusted us and let loose and, and, you know, uh, we, we took it easy on them from some of the stuff that we filmed, so. (laughs) Really? Oh, yeah. Can we get some behind-the-scenes gossip, guys? (laughs) The extended cut? I would like it. But you know what? Like, touching on that, um, we have heard that this, I'm so proud of this group, obviously. I mean, James has been expanding this group over the past 11 years. I came in kind of halfway through, and, um, like being a part of this group is honestly like it's there's no way to describe it it's like having your heart burst with love every single day like we talk to each other every day we when someone's hurt or someone's upset or someone's having a bad day like we're all there for each other and we've heard that this is a very unique community unlike others out there and to show it wasn't that hard it's hard to show the expanse or like the actual feeling of it but we just rolled honestly everything that you saw was unfolding in real time we didn't set anything up it's just it's basically our day-to-day life is what we just filmed within a year so they were just things that were happening and we just ryan just pressed record Mm -hmm. really yeah the (laughs) camping trip happens annually the vegas trip happens annually Oh, the Vegas trip. That I have a feeling that's where the deleted scenes lie. Or is in the Vegas trip. (laughs) 
There's many, there's a lot of video over many years that probably never make it to. They will never see the light of day. Uh, no, no. Well, I always either... say I'm going to blackmail them though one day. Yeah. <laughs> Don't mess with Chelsea. She no. knows where the bodies are buried. You never break up with me. No. <laughs> well, it's clear that it's a really special group. Um, and I'll toss it over to Meredith for our standard questions. Oh. Yeah, so this is a little off the topic of um, your film, but we always ask our guests what they are currently watching. So when you're not filmmaking, um, or do you watch um, what television shows you're watching or movies? Oh, Jesus. I love fancy. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say, like, whatever uh, fancy highbrow documentaries you're watching, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I just watch really garbage TV. Yes. That's, that's, terrible. Like, that's what we want to hear. You I have my like, attention. I know. I feel like Ryan and I are similar in that way where it's like, you know, when you're, you're a chef, like you don't really come home to cook for yourself. Or when you're a fashion designer, you don't really wear the, like the, you wear kind of garbage clothing and like we're filmmakers. So I feel like sometimes maybe we just, I watch garbage TV. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I don't watch a lot. For example. No. Oh, what did I watch? Kardashians? No, God, I wouldn't see that low. Oh, no. Steve. I would never. No. I, I don't even know what I've watched lately. I read, I read a lot, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Chelsea. I do. Yeah, I just got the room. Know it. That's okay. That's Is that okay. terrible? Yeah, I know. No. Um, we still like you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank I you. watched uh, Fear City, a docu-series on Netflix about the um, New York Mafia in the early Ooh. years. Mm. It was really good. And then uh, Mandalorian right now is the new Yeah. Show. Oh, yeah. yeah. Meredith oh. into the Mandalorian. Big yeah. time. I just got into Shit's Creek. Oh! oh, there you go. That's not garbage. Yeah. I just got into that. So I'm like two seasons in. So I'm Oh, going. Chelsea, you have so much good TV ahead of you. I'm very I know. excited. For you. I'm excited for myself. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked. I'm not trying to brag, but Meredith and I saw Shits Creek Live and it was the best thing ever in oh, my entire no life. Way. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. Will you let us know your progress with Shits Creek, Chelsea? You have to stay in touch. Oh my gosh. Yes, I will. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm very excited to hear what you think about it. Um, and our final question is, can you tell people out in listener land how they can find out more about the film and uh, where they can find you on social? Tell us everything. Sure. Facebook, uh, just reinventing the wheel on Facebook. We have a page on there. Still early in the, you know, doing a festival run, but we do have plans for some uh, releases and COVID made it hard to have a premiere. So we're trying to just navigate through that whole situation. And hopefully we can do like a big premiere online streaming or otherwise um, soon, but it should be coming out like to the public in the spring. Yeah, we have a couple things in the works that we're keeping a little tight-lipped about, but for, Ooh. I know, I'm so excited, <laughs> but for like updates, releases, announcements, anything like that, you can follow us on Facebook at Reinventing the Wheel or on Instagram at Reinventing the Wheel Movie. And um, yeah, we'll keep everyone updated throughout those. We're in a couple more festivals. I think we're in Hamilton right now, the yeah. Hamilton, which is in Ontario. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. 
So mm -hmm. we'll be in the festival circuit till end probably the, the yeah, yeah end of the year, early spring. Mm -hmm. Well, congratulations. We're happy that you made it down to Austin. And oh, um, you would have loved to come down, believe <laughs> yeah. me. Come visit anytime. Yeah. We will roll out the red carpet. And when you have your big premiere, let us know. We'll um, get black tie and we'll yeah. do it up. That'd awesome. be amazing. And yeah, we'll we'll try and make another movie just to get into Austin. <laughs> yeah. Worth it. Totally Sounds worth like it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, really nice so to much. meet y'all. Yeah. It's so nice to meet you. Thanks for having yeah. us and thanks for watching our movie. And mm -hmm. yeah, and our pleasure. Promote it. And yeah. I love Meredith that you said that you weren't, you know, expecting to be happy when you first watched it. And I think that's what we're trying to change is the stereotype on disability and you know, that it's a sad thing or that it's, you know, tragic because life goes on and these guys are a testament to that. So thank you. Totally. Sharing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And congratulations again. Thank you thank guys. You so Have thank a good you. night. You too. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. All right, we're here with Amy Winston, uh, one of the directors of Queens of Pain. Hi, Amy. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're so happy we're, you're here. We loved your film and we'd mm -hmm. love for you to start by sharing a little bit about the premise of the film and how you came to this topic. Sure, so Queens of Pain follows three skaters um, with Gotham Girls Roller Derby League in New York City. And we follow them throughout the season and um, show them overcoming and taking on obstacles in their lives in order to play the game that they love. Yeah, that's love great. It. Could you share a little bit about how how you came to this this topic, how you came upon the, the Gotham Girls? Yeah, so Cassie, um, in full disclosure, Cassie, who's the other director, she's also my big sister. Oh, and okay. And she um, played with Gotham for about five years. And so she skated with um, two of our subjects, Susie Hot Rod and Eva McCloskey. Um, but, she also works in TV and film and she's also a storyteller and she'd been wanting, she talked about wanting to tell the story of the women who played roller derby for years and years. Um, just saying that a lot of people like to kind of hit the, the surface level that's by day, they have jobs by night, they play <laughs> roller derby. And she really, it meant so much to her playing and she wanted to share kind of a deeper story. Um, and so we were talking a lot about it. And then really, I think right around the time of the Me Too movement, we were having lots of conversations just about everything going on. And we kept talking about like, Jesus, what women go through or put themselves through just to have a career that they love or follow their dreams. And like, and then we started seeing, you know, communities of women really banding together. And we just, we're talking about all these stories and I was like, you played roller derby, like do you, and I know you keep talking about this, maybe we should should tell the story. And um, I happened to be working a lot more in film production. And so I had some gracious friends who are willing to kind of join us on this project, um, working for free <laughs> out of the love of friendship. And um, so we just decided now is the time and we were going to make it. And so that's really how um, the project got going. Um, but as far as how we found our subjects, like I mentioned, Cassie skated with two of the women, um, Susie Hot Rod, is kind of the Michael Jordan of roller derby. I mean, 
<laughs> legend. Yeah, she's been playing forever. And and uh, anyone who plays roller derby n- pretty much knows who Susie is. And, and she's just incredible. And then, so we knew that she would help us get butts and seats and she's just a, a character. Um, and then Cassie also skated with Evalicious. And right around the time we were thinking about doing this project, we heard that she had just had a baby and so, and wanted to keep skating, which is kind of unusual. And so we thought that would be an amazing story um, to see kind of what that takes. And then we saw that we had two veteran skaters and we wanted a different perspective. And so we started asking around for rookies, you know, are there any rookies that are on the team that you really like that might have an interesting story? And so we interviewed a few people and we landed on Captain Smack Sparrow and just fell in love with her. She's just such a genuine sweetheart. Um, and so that's kind of how we, we found these three stories. Well, I love that origin story. That's fantastic. Um, and sticking to um, the Evalicious story, which was, I have to say, Meredith and I are both moms ourselves. And um, I would love for you to talk a little bit about the theme of balancing things that you love outside of family life with kind of these new responsibilities, i.e. having a baby, starting a family. Um, again, especially uh, regarding the narrative arc of Evalicious trying to keep competing after the baby. Woo, say, say things about that, Amy. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm actually a new mom myself. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. And uh, I was not a mother when we were filming and I've written her after the fact. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I had no idea <laughs> the depth that this was like what you were going through. I mean, I already thought you're awesome, but this is just borderline insane that um, she, yeah, she had a C-section um, and she was first just trying to get back on skates and and in the roller derby world, there's a series of steps and tests you have to pass to prove that you can skate safely. It's for um, Eva's sake and for the other players. And so um, throughout the season, we were following her she was just working on getting back in shape and recovering, but also juggling childcare, um, obviously. And fortunately she said she has, there's a great community within the sport where, you know, you can bring your baby to practice and four nights a week. Right. I mean, that first practice she goes to when she's like, my C-section scar is pretty much healed. I was like, screaming at my screen like no don't do it yeah she's like so I'm not going to be bleeding internally I'm like that's a high (laughs) bar um but yeah it's it's really something else like Cassie played the sport I mean I went to see her play in a few games but I had no idea the amount of time that that sport takes and the dedication and the sacrifice and kind of part of the reason that I wanted to tell the story is I wanted to try to understand why these women put themselves through all of these things to skate, you know, like what is it about the sport or the community that makes them go to skate three to four nights a week for a couple of hours plus play games or work games and they're doing it all for free. They actually pay to be a part of the league. They're yeah. making money. Um, yeah. So that was really kind of one of my drives for wanting to tell the story is just like, what is it about this? 
Is um, the hitting well, people like the smashing <laughs> and crashing people? Uh, I think? According to yeah, according to Cassie, she's like I. You know, we both grew up in North Texas. All of our guy friends play football, and you're kind of told to be a cheerleader or watch like the men play. And she was never. I mean, even though she was a cheerleader, she was always wanting to smack someone. And so I think it was such a release for her when she got to play. She's like, it's you, and it's very inclusive community. Um, she's like, you get to be yourself, but like amped up and you get mm -hmm. to hit people and like get yeah. up that aggression and that release from, um, especially living day to day in New York City, which is just so hard. Intense, um, right? But it's just such a release. Um, yeah, that's amazing. I think one of the themes that we took away from the film festival generally was um, just badass women. <laughs> so um, I love that where your film comes in there. And I love the tie in to football, right? Like, it's kind of like, you know, we're in Texas, everybody like sanctioned violence. is. Um, yeah, yeah, so why not women? <laughs> yeah, yeah, come on, guys. <laughs> Um, I love hearing that it's an inclusive sport and I'm curious, do you think that is, is like true across all of the teams or like as a sport or is that specific? I, I remember one of the, one of the players saying that everyone has a place um, that it didn't really matter what you looked like or kind of your body built makeup is that we, you, you could come and play. Do you think that was true? That's true across the sport? Yeah, absolutely. I think like like you referenced one of our um, subjects, Sparrow talks about how she didn't really feel like she could make it in dance because of her body type. Um, but there's a place for her in roller derby because um, she's a little bit bigger. She can be a better blocker and take up more space on the track and use her body in that way. Um, but then there's, it's for some players, it's better to be fast and light and small and kind of dart through the path of women. Um, and I know the league, uh, we worked pretty closely with WFTA, which is WFTDA, which is the kind of the international governing body of the sport. Um, and they make it a priority to be very inclusive. Um, it's a big deal to them that they are inclusive to um, everyone, including trans athletes, which I know is a big issue. Um, and so I think yeah, that's definitely true. And even we try to show a lot of the atmosphere, um, the people who come to the games as well, not just the people who play. And I think you can really get a sense that there's all sorts of different types of people there and that there's not one look necessarily, unless that look is unique. Um, you know, yeah. everyone kind of has their own name and identity, but, you know, I think every the league and the women who play definitely try to be as inclusive as possible. Yeah, that's nice. We did it. So can you talk a little bit more about that kind of future facing how you see things going? Um, referencing again, uh, I think probably the same scene with Captain Smack Sparrow talking about what a typical derby competitor looks like. Um, can you talk about where you see it going in the future, maybe specifically as it relates to opening the sport up to more people, different people? Yeah, I know. And I definitely... I wish Cassie was here because she would definitely be able to speak to this a little bit better than I would. But I know that the league at the league level and then among the players, they're definitely having a lot of conversations on how do we make the sport more accessible? Um, because one thing that 
I don't think we intended to highlight in our film, but definitely comes out as what is the cost of playing this game? Yeah. You know, um, Sparrow loses her job and then she gets offered a job and she was given the choice of, I think, like a 5 p.m. shift or a 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. Yeah. She's at that Dunkin' Donuts getting some coffee. I was like, girl, you get it via IV drip. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> we we uh, filmed her at night coming home from practice and then she's like, I got to get up three hours later. Do you guys just want to sleep in my, or hang out in my living room while yeah. I sleep for a couple hours? We're like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, if you have, you know, family to take care of, if you have to work two jobs, if you have to do, have other priorities in your life, um, you know, and you can't really play, dedicate as much time to the sport as you need to be at play at this kind of very high competitive level. And it's worth saying that Gotham is definitely one of the most competitive leagues um, in the country, but yeah, it takes, I think to play at that level of competition, you have to put in a couple nights a week and a couple of hours each practice. And you can only do that if you either have help in other ways or you don't need to take a second job. Um, so yeah, there's definitely limits um, to the sport. And I think those conversations have, have been happening, but I'd say also, I know with the Black Lives Matter movement rising this summer, they've had more conversations about that. Um, I don't have as many details about that, but I know they're having all of these conversations and wanting to be as inclusive as possible. Um, so I know that they're working on it and it's least conversations that they're having and trying to figure out. Well, I love that the film is um, hopefully highlighting those issues and can kind of, you know, be a part of that conversation. That's great. Meredith, do you want to ask about filming sports and athletics? Um, yeah, I would love just to like hear a little bit about the, the process and, um, you know, we thought you did a great job of balancing the storyline versus filming like the action. And I'd love to know how you made some of those decisions to kind of balance out you. We saw a lot of a um, lot of the the season um, and how you how you made those decisions. Yeah. So I'll say logistically, this wasn't I don't want to use the word nightmare, but it was <laughs> um, because at the time, um, even though Cassie and I had both lived in New York at one time. Um, at the time of filming, Cassie was living in Austin. I was living in San Francisco and our DP and our producer were also living in San Francisco. And then all of the story was in New York. So basically in the beginning, we thought the film was really going to be about Susie. And so we yeah. planned our production schedule around her game schedule. So there's four games in the season. So we thought, okay, we'll come these four weekends. Um, we'll try to, you know, talk to her in advance of shoots and see what else is going on in our lives on the other days of the weekend um, that we could pick up. And then when we decided to also follow Eva and Sparrow, we decided to just keep that production schedule because we couldn't afford, you know, we can't afford to go to New York every weekend. Um, and we were also all just like crashing on my in-laws at my in-laws apartment, um, like a crew of five of us sleeping in a one bedroom apartment, um, mooching. Cozy. Very grateful for their help to make that possible. But 
Um, so it got really, really tight with our planning. So we decided the games that we were going to cover were, were, we were just going to follow Susie's games. Um, and then every time we knew we were going to be coming in for a weekend, we would talk to all of our women and see what's going on in their lives and um, kind of use that to inform the other store, the other stories. And then once we knew, for example, Eva was working out a lot to get back on skates and her body was a big part of her story that we we're like, okay, do you have a trainer? Can we follow you to the gym? And so that's kind of how we worked that. But as far as shooting the games go, um, we had, we, had extra crew hired extra crew locally in New York to help us shoot the games because we knew how hard it would be to capture and we wanted it from a couple different angles and we knew just having one kind of camera operator wasn't going to work. Um, we're very fortunate that at the time um, Eva was head of PR for the league so she helped so they were very gracious in letting us have our cameras sometimes in the center of the track so we could get that angle or setting up a stationary camera up high so we could kind of watch the gameplay from um, above. But yeah, filming sports is really, really difficult. Um, and then when it came to editing, we, we first, our first cut had a lot more of sports in it. And we did a lot more rule explaining. And then pretty early on in editing, we were like, you know what? Well, I was kind of like, you know what? None of this matters to me. The rules don't matter to me. I am here to, you know, I don't need to know what penalties are going on or what. I just generally need to know what the score is or who's winning or. And so then that kind of informed how much game footage we put in the film. So we cut back a lot on the game footage and decided to use it as kind of chapter markers so that to kind of lead you throughout the season. I think that was a, I, I liked how you kind of explained the gist of the game. Like you got to get through the pack a bunch of times. And yeah. then, and I think someone said, and there's like a million other little rules, but that's like the main thrust right and I was like okay got it like I can understand that the one lady with the star on her hat's trying to get through the pack got it yeah, so, yeah yeah it's a complicated sport um I you know I watched it even more going through this process and I still don't I definitely don't understand all the penalties <laughs> I'm like yeah you know that everyone's playing offense and defense at the same time and the people with the stars on their helmets score the points and yep. then you're like all right let's move on <laughs> And then we also um, decided to use a lot of slow motion showing the sport one so that you could see how physical these women are getting, like watch them crash their shoulders into each other, um, watch them fall and like slam into the track. Um, but also one thing Cassie said to me is that when she was playing, she's like, the feeling of getting on that track and having all these fans cheering from you and, and you have your roller derby name, which is almost an alter ego that you feel almost like this superstar persona. And so we kind of wanted to romanticize that and romanticize the sport a little bit and really contrast it with the grind of the everyday life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I can see how having someone who's played, played this sport 
having that knowledge going into it really um, helps get your shots, the shots that you need. And um, yeah. I love hearing about how the story evolved um, or the film evolved. So thanks. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Are you ready? It's you've been waiting for. We need to know the question we ask all our guests, which is, Amy, what are you watching? All right. So as I mentioned, uh, I haven't been as watching as much TV as I liked uh, <laughs> now that I have a newborn. But um, the first thing I was watching, like the hazy postpartum days, like one, uh -huh. two, three, uh, I dug back into my comfort viewing of Gilmore Girls. Um, which was really sweet for the first couple of episodes, romanticizing in my mind how great our mother-daughter relationship was going to be. <laughs> and then watching Emily Gilmore, I was like, oh Jesus, everyone screws up their kids a little bit. I'm going to turn this off. Um, and actually, now that I think about it, one of the, the newer shows that I've been watching is The Duchess on Netflix. Yeah. I started that. Do I need to stick with it? Um... I, I'm about three or four episodes in. Um, huh? I, I'm getting a kick out of it just okay. because I like, <laughs> I mean, her, the humor is so crass and it's so, <laughs> you know, that it's a little bit of a shock, shock humor, which I kind of like. Yeah. Um, but then I am struggling a little bit with the main character is kind of so unlikable in yeah. some aspects that, I'm finding it a little hard to keep rooting for her, but I'm hoping that maybe that's the the character arc of the first season is that maybe she turns it around a little bit. I don't know, but then I don't know if you'd have a show if she's not. <laughs> if she redeems herself. Screwing up constantly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, uh, we have a lot of conversations about how men are allowed to be unlikable on TV and it's so, so much harder for women to be. Um, but then I watched that show and I was like, she's mean to people. Why isn't she nicer? So I'm clearly I, part of the problem. Yeah. I was loving her. I'm like, yeah, she doesn't give a shit about anyone. She's just, she tells it like it is in her life, being a mom, doing whatever she wants. Um, but then I was like, wait, she treats her sweet boyfriend like crap. I hate yeah, that. That poor guy. Um, yeah. So maybe I'm hoping that will be her character arc is that she realizes he's <laughs> worth a decent nice dude. Yeah, yeah that she doesn't need to make him cry uh, over <laughs> dinner. Um, anything else on your uh, things that you watched in 2020 or things that you're um, hoping to hammer out by the end of the year? I've been, again, doing a lot of comfort viewing and for me- Which is that... my favorite, by the way. <laughs> I love just watching a show I've already seen and I already know how it's gonna happen. Yeah, I've gone deep into kind of British shows that, like British reality TV. So, I mean, in if you say Love Island to me right now, I am going to come <laughs> like to your house and British watch reality TV. TV for 70 year olds is more like what I've been uh -oh. watching. Like, <laughs> is it baking? If it's baking, that's baking not my speed. Also, um, the show Grand Designs, which is about people who want to build their own home and <laughs> it gets into the architecture but it's like people who buy a water tower and want to make a home out of it or a <laughs> castle and they want to renovate it um relatable super relatable <laughs> yeah yeah and then well, um, you need to get some love island in your life that's, all. <laughs> that's like the repair shop 
which I think is also on. I have heard that that is like, it's like quaaludes. Like it's very soothing. It will just like calm you right on down. Soothing. Some may say boring, but I, for me, it's soothing. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I actually, I mentioned um, where my daughter will be visiting her great grandparents who are in their nineties. And I've been sharing shows with uh, her great grandmother. So I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, I just want something that will not stress me out. Yes, really somebody refurbishing me. a clock. <laughs> a light British voice. Yeah, so that's like what my life has been like this summer. I'm like, I just want to be soothed by with politeness. I love it. I love it. I'm the 30-something British reality TV stars have gotten a lot of their a lot of attention, Robin. So we need the we need the 70-year-olds to get some attention too. <laughs> yeah it may not be your demographic but. why not both guys why not both um okay just to end we'd love to hear how we can follow the film um for our listeners tell us where we can find you yeah we are um mostly active on instagram at queens of pain film and then we're all we also have a website queens of pain film.com and i'm not allowed to announce yet but we will be in another festival soon Awesome. Um, so as soon as I can, we'll share it uh, there on Instagram, and we're also on Facebook as well. That's awesome. great. Well, Congrats. congratulations! Yeah, yeah, thank you so much, Amy. It was, it was wonderful talking with y'all. Wonderful talking yeah, you to you. Too. Thank right. you. Bye. Bye. All right. Thanks again to our special guests for joining us. We enjoyed talking about their films. Um, and as always, you can find us on social media at my TV family pod on Instagram, Twitter. And if you want to email us, email us at my TV family pod at gmail.com. Bye. Bye.